Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today we're going to lean into the holiday spirit and bring you a bona fide Christmas special. For those reading along at home, we're going to be reading Rob Williams' Wolverine 49, Chuck Austin's X-Men 165, and Chris Claremont's Uncanny X-Men 168. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you've had a wonderful year. If you haven't, uh, good news, you're not alone. A lot of us have struggled through 2023, but um, everyone who's listening to this episode, you made it. You made it through. Um, And maybe if you've listened to a bunch of episodes, you've made it through while enjoying some X-Men history, knowledge, entertainment um, via this silly show that I put together in order to try to convince people to get into reading X-Men comics or at least enjoying them more. Um, X-Men have brought so much joy to me and my life throughout the years. And this show has been my attempt at sharing that at trying to make that something that I can infect people with. Um, and I do that by recognizing as always that there are 60 plus years of these comics spanning over so many different titles and authors, and that can make it very feel very daunting to get into. And so this show is a way for you to get to read and enjoy them, um, with some help from me, your resident, um, semi expert. Um, and, uh, I think these, these, issues we're going to cover today are are definitely uh good entries into that log of stuff that uh i think everyone should be able to pick up and enjoy um because uh all issues that we're going to be covering in this episode they are in that just christmas specials because while the x-men were created by men with jewish backgrounds and that has always been a part of the x-men mythos and history um a reoccurring event in the x-men lives has always been christmas I mean, it goes all the way back to X-Men number 98 before they even added the uncanny to the title, if you, did, if you didn't know that. Um, and it was an issue titled Merry Christmas X-Men. It's, it's a magical issue. It takes place in Rockefeller Center, uh, you know, an iconic Christmas location. I think the X-Men fight like a Sentinel or something during it. I can't remember. I've read it before, um, but I don't recall every single detail about the X-Men possible. If I did... I don't think I'd have room for any other information in my life, including my my own children's birthdays. Um, but today, I wanted to take you through uh, the years, starting with a Wolverine story that could easily be turned into like a Christmas episode of a Wolverine TV show. Um, I wonder how far we are away from uh, X-Men solo series TV shows. Um, the MCU has definitely broached that subject already with things like WandaVision and Loki and stuff like that. Um, and so uh, while we haven't gotten to the X-Men with the MCU in general, um, Uh, It's coming. We're going to have some sort of solo series. We're going to have a Bishop TV series or something like that, I'm sure, in the future. And I welcome it. I hope it's good. But uh, I digress. Wolverine number 49, which uh, originally was released in 2006 um, in the middle of December, um, takes place in a kind of a a post-Marvel Civil War um, issue for Wolverine um, that funny enough occurs after um, writer Guggenheim wrote a nice uh, tie-in issue series that where they were wrestling Wolverine's overpowered healing factor because at the time Wolverine had been showing like in in comics just a insane level of healing factor abilities he had been like 
reduced to ash and rebuilt himself, which previously really had only been something that that Deadpool had really pulled off. Um, but uh, they wanted to address that with a, a few issues. And this takes place right after that um, and right before Jeff Loeb, a pretty well-known uh, author, um, takes over and took a swing at a story that could have been Sabretooth and Wolverine's last fight ever. Um, for those of you who listened to the issues where we covered X of Swords, you might recall me mentioning the Miramasa Blade. Um, this is the series that I believe was the origin of it. If not, it highly featured it. Um, and uh, it could have been their last fight, but that's not how comics work. Um, we all know that uh, the Wolverine and Sabretooth will likely be fighting well after any of us are alive still <laughs> i think that those two are going to be locked in battle similar to like batman and joker they'll be fighting for forever no matter who writes the quote-unquote last issue of them it won't be um but this issue like i said was released on december 13th and it was perfect timing for a christmas special to kind of stall for you know the new year's new story that was coming soon and so yeah this issue doesn't have any tie-in before or after it it is a bottle episode it takes place in a knockoff macy's store called lacy's (laughs) Um, which i found uh quite humorous that they they sort of made it uh something that wasn't a real world thing but barely added anything to it um but yeah it takes place in a new york shopping store um during christmas we kind of open with wolverine grumbling as i imagine he would about being sent out by kitty pride um to uh do some christmas shopping last minute christmas shopping um and it's it's great it's got some die hard vibes um it's got some even elf vibes um and i i I enjoyed this story especially near the end of it um we kind of open up with like this this story about this woman named toulouse whose father i guess is like a a department store store mogul um she's having like a private meeting with the store santa um I might have misread things, but I don't know. I, I don't think they explained why she was having a security-led private uh, sit-down with Santa. I don't know if this is just like, this is her tradition. If it is, all power to you, girl. Um, but she's visiting store Santa. But uh, the twist is, is that Santa and the elves are actually uh, like part of a uh, a quote unquote like death cult. They're like a fake death cult, but they call themselves a death cult, and they take uh, Miss Toulouse uh, hostage, um, and they refer to themselves as Black Christmas, um, which kind of almost reads Black Christ mess. Um, it this comic is funny clearly uh williams was just having some some fun with it he was tasked with like hey we just need one issue of a wolverine christmas story and he's like all right i'm gonna have some fun with it um and so the the story goes where the bad guys kind of use these like small bombs to kind of cover their like hostage ploy um they they kind of uh, sell themselves as like we want we're holding the store hostages and this is all about anti-capitalism and and we're a death cult and all that kind of stuff um but it's actually a cover for them like actually kidnapping um toulouse in order to get away with it the bad guys have apparently watched their movies and read their stories and know that you never get away with a kidnap situation unless you're like john q or something in fact they kind of pull a uh 
uh not a john q inside man it was a different uh uh movie altogether um is denzel in both of those maybe that's why i've gotten them mixed up uh but they watched inside man and they take a little note out of that movie in fact i should look up to see which came first this story or inside man i think this story did first so um maybe inside man um is that a spike lee movie god i'm i'm having my own little conversation with myself about uh movie trivia um and uh they kind of use the bombs as a diversion for then releasing all the hostages all at once and then they dressed as santas get out and kind of spread out so that they can then gather back together at their their hideout in order to actually you know send out their ransom demand um but unlucky for them um a mutant with an amazing uh olfactory ability was in the building um who doesn't like bad guys messing with people and wolverine tracks them down thanks to like a little nod no a little occurrence at the beginning of the issue where wolverine bumps a woman who gets sprayed by uh the perfume of the mall like that mall perfume people which um i don't have a sense of smell but i i gather that most people hate that um that smell is a very specific scent for sense for people and um those mall people who are spraying on you are kind of considered just the worst ever maybe i'm, I'm getting that wrong um again i don't know how to smell so i don't even wear cologne um but uh this perfume makes it so it's very easy for wolverine to track this woman down find her um and uh it's 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 pretty great uh he, he it's one of those instances where clearly Wolverine is overpowered for the instance, but the bad guys recognize that, that this mutant with a healing factor and adamantium claws who just tracked them down is here to give them the option of either giving up or uh, being cut up. And they immediately uh, do the give up option. Um, however, uh, they do have a, there's a bomb situation where Miss Toulouse has a bomb vest on. And so the comic still does give it a good opportunity for Wolverine to showcase his ability to just constantly destroy himself in the name of other people. And he, uh, he pulls a Captain America and puts himself on top of the bomb. But unlike Captain America in the MCU film, uh, the bomb's actually a real bomb and just, blows up wolverine uh resulting in a final splash page uh image of wolverine just uh decimated into at least two pieces um but uh we know he's gonna survive um and we get a little whimpering merry christmas from him at the end um i this would be so fun to see adapted into like a tv series as a christmas special um so maybe this will be an episode of the show where you're like hey remember remember when class of x said that x-men will be a tv show and they'll have a christmas special they're doing it now let's let's give that um weird man in austin texas uh the props that he deserves um but Let's talk about X-Men 165, um, which is from 2004. So we're going to go back in time a little bit from 2006, a couple years, um, and talk about another Christmas special that was used to pivot to a new author um, and kind of give a button end to Chuck Austin's run. Um, for those of you who have not heard me talk about Chuck Austin before, I don't think we've done any Chuck Austin um series yet. Um, but to give you a little backstory into him, he 
his run with X-Men lasted for quite a bit, but it was received with kind of mixed reviews um, during his tenure. Um, I wouldn't say he was perfect, but I wouldn't say he deserved the criticism level that he got. He definitely took some big swings with a few things with the X-Men, as I think anybody who writes the X-Men should. Um, You're given the opportunity to like add to the history of these comics, like do it. Pull, pull, you know, go, go for big, go for a big swing and maybe it'll work out and you'll be remembered for forever. And maybe sometimes you'll do some odd things that you'll be remembered for, but maybe won't be continued with X-Men. Um, like claiming mutants can't get AIDS. That's a Chuck Austin thing. <laughs> um, but I highly recommend you check out at the very least, um, Cerebro, the podcast, X-Men podcast. They had an episode where, um, their host Connor Goldsmith, um, actually got to interview Chuck Austin and actually came on the heels of Connor being a very big critic of Chuck Austin's run. run. Um, but if you listen to the episode, you will come away from it going like, well, this Chuck Austin guy seems like a delightful and humble man. Um, and the episode gave some Chuck himself gave some really interesting insight into like the comics writing business and his own time with Marvel, which gave a fantastic context into his run and what it's like to be an author. That's, that's hired by this company. Um, and I really appreciate, it. I like to hear from, um, guys like that to hear like, what's it like behind the scenes? It's, it's, you know, we love to hear how directors and writers make movies, but I don't think we hear a, a lot from the creators of comics. And so, yeah, go check out that episode. Chuck did some kind of awesome things with the X-Men, namely with Juggernaut. Um, and he kind of continued this tradition of X-Men where they do a lot of villain rehabilitation. X-Men comics are a comic that quite commonly, uh, the villains will end up on the team at some point. Rogue is an example who was fully re- rehabilitated, but we came into the scene as a villain. Banshee even was first appeared in the X-Men comics as a villain. Um, and so Juggernaut being this the stepbrother uh, Professor X, the the antithesis of Professor X, um, he was kind of brought into the fold with this run, and um, that has continued into the Krakoan era, as well as this villain rehabilitation um, theme with the X-Men that's also been widely used in the Krakoan era. Um, and Chuck Austin did a good job of that, I think. Um, what I love about this issue, X-Men number 165, is that if you read it, it is, in my opinion, a, a love letter to the X-Men and the X-Men community and just has fun with showcasing that those characters and that team in a heartfelt way, like a true Christmas special. Um, it kind of just has a like a wonderful like cold open that uh, almost feels like the beginning of a X-Men movie or a new season of a TV show about the X-Men. And it kind of showcases the cast and their powers. X-Men comics, as comics in general, are Marvel comics are want to often open their issues with kind of a introduction to the characters, sometimes being just a single info dump page. This follows that tradition but does it in a more organic and uh kinetic way um and starts off with like a a, the x-men answering an emergency call for an accident and saving some people from the car but also reminding the audience that the x-men and mutants in general are still feared and hated by humans x-23 is kind of new to the team after um her origin story um and she gets the the 
blunt end of the stick um, where of this uh, this hate from the humans where about a little boy she rescues like full on clocks her and she almost takes him out of now for Wolverine being there um, to stop her. Um, and it, this issue actually uh, was interesting where at one point they they mentioned that X-23 has got adamantium skeleton, but I have to call out an error when there's an error. And I think this is probably because Chuck Austin has told, has said before, he's like, I'm not a, a huge X-Men fan prior to writing it. So I, he didn't have all the information of, of their origins, but I'm gonna give you a little fact about X-23. Um, so you can bring this to your, your new year's Eve party, which I'm sure people will love to hear. You know, I'm sure they'll be asking, Hey, do you have any cool X-Men facts? And you'd be like, yes, I do. The clone of Wolverine, X-23, Laura Kinney, who appeared, people know, from the Logan movie, um, or in the Logan movie, um, is different from Wolverine. She does not have an adamantium skeleton. They only laced her claws with adamantium, um, which I've mentioned before, I believe, which is why her healing factor actually works better than Logan's. Um, however, uh, in the Krakoan era, I'm going to admit, there was a point where they re uh, they resurrected X-23, and because they didn't know that was a difference, um, they accidentally gave her a full adamantium skeleton, which is a fun little joke. Um and so uh, this is a Christmas special um, where uh, after this rescue mission, um, Hellion is back at the base. He didn't go help, and they're kind of chastising him for it. But bef- before they can chastise him, um, he gets absconded by Nightcrawler to go help with a little uh, Mutants Without Borders um, charity run, which is a cute um, not to doctors without borders. Um, oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Actually, after Wolverine witnesses X 23, having not the best social skills, he pairs her with new roommates, Kitty and Rachel to try to like socialize her, which I thought was great. Cause you can see it as like a father daughter move, but I used to, uh, foster kittens. And, uh, this is something you do with kittens who are solo kittens is you, you socialize them with other ones because if they don't have, um, like a litter to teach them, you know, what to do, how, how not to like play hard, how not to bite and that kind of thing. You can kind of get this single kitten syndrome where they're too spicy. Um, and Wolverine recognizes that X-23 is too spicy and gives her new roommates to try to socialize her. Um, I just, I, I think that's a great dad move. Um, but yeah, Nightcrawler steals Hellion, um, who's from, this this new class of x-men um and shows him like how to get into the christmas spirit with some charitable work um that uh i think it was a great showcase of how the x-men this whole issue is like the x-men showing showcasing how the x-men are a goodwill group they they are like a a a team of soldiers who have to fight but they're also there to just do good and be heroes and I, i like issues like this that that focus on that um the this issue also has a bunch of the 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 girls of the x-men going shopping and they meet up with Iceman and gambit and if you read it you might wonder like what's going on with gambit gambit at this moment is blind he kind of had an, uh, a, a, a he kind of got i believe this is when he was his power backfired and he uh he kind of blind himself with his own ability and so he's dealing with that um but uh, it gets resolved 
later on in the issue. Um, Iceman and Gambit, however, are enlisting the girls to help them with some fun that they want to bring to the school, which is a big old ice rink that Iceman creates in the front lawn. Um, and they use Kitty and Rachel um, to uh, help Beast be Saint Nick, Saint Beast, Santa Beast, Santa Claus, Claus, that's better, um, to come to town. And he gives gifts to everybody. It's so cute. He gives his first gifts to Emma and Scott, and they laugh at the red nose that he gives them um they have a concert in the backyard with lila cheney who puts on like this kind of this great show um storm and sophia use their powers in combination a wonderful little mutant circuit to keep everyone like everyone gets to go ice skating but they get to be comfortable in shorts and t-shirts because of their mutant abilities you got like magma who's working with gambit like with her powers to be you know to do barbecue um uh, there's a great moment where Iceman this whole, there's just like a cavalcade of just great moments and I'm just going through them cuz I love them. Iceman makes a joke about X23's name being like a Star Trek name and that she needs a better code name. Um Polaris even flirts with Iceman um you know where they have a lot of history. Um and then Sage actually tricks Gambit and jumpstarts his powers with her own power, which then heals his eyes, and it's a Christmas miracle. Gambit, for his Christmas, gets to see again. Um, and uh, Emma actually gives a gift to Rachel to uh, introduce her to the Grey's um, uh, grandparents, um, which she has biological connection to and gives her family for Christmas. Um and then they kind of end the whole issue with the family from the beginning of the issue coming back and giving thanks to the X-Men. Um, and it's just a great little heartfelt, warm moment. Um, and then they even kind of uh, allude to what's going to come in the in the future with Xavier and Magneto kind of lurking, almost like Force Ghosts from Star Wars in the background. Um, uh, and uh, it's kind of like just, you know, it's mystery for what's to come with them. Um and that was the end of Chuck Austin's run with the X-Men. Uh, a nice little Christmas special um, in 2004 to set the X-Men off for a, a, a new era of them in 2005. But before we conclude our little Christmas special, I want to jump to my favorite issue where, where I wanted to kind of bring to your attention. Um, it's a great Christmas issue, but it's also just a actually very historically important issue of the X-Men. This is Uncanny X-Men 168. Um, it's It has one of the most iconic first pages in X-Men comics history. You need to check out this comic somehow, either on Marvel Unlimited or at your local store, um, just to see this great Professor Xavier is a jerk um splash page with kitty pride um this was this was a meme before memes were memes um and i had forgotten that this was the issue where that occurred and when it came up i was like oh i love this uh it's such a it's such a good starter of just kitty being upset at xavier and why is she upset xavier well this was when the new mutants were established as kind of the next generation of the x-men previously xavier really didn't have like different classes of the x-men and kitty was was that kitty was added to the x-men but she was quite young younger than the rest of them but she was part of the just the x-men team because they didn't have another team they weren't split like in the 90s where it's like x-men blue and x-men gold um and so they had started the new mutants and xavier was to kitty's 
description demoting her to the new mutants she had in her mind proven herself to to be able to hold her ground alongside the rest of the the tenured x-men and she's quite upset and kind of showing her youngness her her immaturity with her reaction um she's kind of talking this over with her best friend iliana um who is kind of in her post limbo era where she had been imprisoned in limbo and came back kind of grown to the age of kitty um she's she's no longer a prisoner but she lost a lot of her years um this issue is i think a wonderful example of something i've talked about a lot in this podcast where the x-men are first and foremost a soap opera this issue is a soap opera it has drama it has it it kind of touches a few of the x-men and goes around to their their cast and 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 gives some some great moments um and uh it's a great conflict story between professor x and one of his students namely kitty um professor x who right now is going through a situation where he is in a cloned healed body cloned body of himself which is very interesting that i forgot this happened with professor x where the his girlfriend the queen of the shiar lalandra um they cloned his body he's no longer crippled um but he's dealing with like the the mental blocks of that um but uh a lot of people don't know this or may can make this connection except for people like me who have read old x-men comics and have watched the new picard tv show um in the new picard tv show which stars patrick stewart who has played professor x he gets cloned to deal with the disease that his body has um, and so there's another connection between two characters uh, connected to Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard and Professor X. Um, both have gotten cloned bodies to heal them. And uh, so, yeah, he's kind of in the danger room trying to train his mind to deal with like, hey, we can walk now. We can walk now. Um, all the while, uh, this dragon, Lockheed, is lurking in the shadows of the school. Um, I don't know if I've talked much about Lockheed on this show, but he is the dragon companion to Kitty Pride. He's originally introduced in um, uh, X-Men 166, so like only two issues prior. Um, and this was his his introduction to them on their on on earth um uh and this is how he gets paired up with kitty pride and they become bffs forever um we they also cut to storm who's having who's been off planet the issues prior to this one are the phoenix saga um this is the phoenix saga uh post-mortem um gene's dead um they've all gone to space and they've met the star jammers cyclops has been reunited with his father which is a big part of this issue um and cyclops is dealing with his own stuff storm is dealing with being off planet for so long and her powers aren't working quite right because she's supposed to be connected to earth and and there's something there that they're going to touch on later on um but yeah this is kind of all everyone's kind of in a post phoenix saga world and there's a lot to unpack there um and cyclops is dealing with that his his girlfriend uh who uh he loved more than life itself became a um cosmic entity that eventually had to send put itself into the sun or or, or end itself in order to deal with uh its overpowerness um sorry phoenix saga is weird we haven't fully covered the phoenix saga um i suppose we should at some point we haven't covered the phoenix saga right 
am I just remembering incorrectly? I know we covered the Star Jammers. I don't think we covered the whole Phoenix Saga. We really should, um, especially since we've gone over Inferno. Um, we should do the other big X-Men story, which is the Phoenix Saga. Tw- two, 2024, we will do a Phoenix Saga episode, I promise, so that those of you who've watched the movies or watched the cartoons that have covered Phoenix Saga can finally know how the real Phoenix Saga occurred. But spoiler, Jean Grey dies. Um, and uh, Cyclops is kind of like trying to figure out who he is in that kind of a world. He goes and visits an old an old uh, flame um, named Lee Forrester. Um, we also uh, check in with Nightcrawler who visits his girlfriend at the time for Christmas, um, Amanda Sefton. Um, you might ask who Amanda Sefton is. Uh, she is Nightcrawler's foster sister and lover. Yep. It's complicated. Like I said, X-Men are a soap opera, and that's a great example. Um, We might do a Nightcrawler origin story episode at some point because I would love to cover him and his um, life being the son of Mystique, which just recently actually got retconned a little bit. I don't want to give any spoilers, but if you you read X-Men Blue Origins, you get some great Nightcrawler and Mystique lore. Um, This is also... A notable first appearance of the Banff doll. Um, Nightcrawler surprises Amanda Septon in her apartment and makes a reference to the Banff doll that he gave her. That's like this miniature stuffy of him. Um, it will uh, later, that doll will later appear, um, uh, I think six issues later. When, when will it appear? No, not six issues later. Quite, quite a while later. Um, but it'll appear with Ileana, who has at the time, at that later on, been reverted to a young girl before she went to limbo, but she contracts the legacy virus and dies from the legacy virus, which I think I talked about when we went into um, the, the story where Colossus leaves the X-Men and joins Magneto. Um, Anyways, I won't talk anymore about the Banff doll. Um, I don't know why I give you so much information about this toy, but I thought it was cute and fun and worth mentioning. Um, The big crux of this issue is uh, Kitty Pride, who's going by the code name Sprite right now. Kitty has had like, 15 different code names um it's quite confusing um but she recognize she she hears an alarm of a of an intruder in the basement goes down finds some alien robots that are down there who've created a nest um and she fights them um the aliens have a great little way of dealing with her where their their laser beam goes through her but then it scrambles her powers so she can't phase anymore so she's in real danger lockheed helps her this is where she teams up with lockheed and they defeat the alien bugs um and become bffs forever um colossus also comes and helps her out um and colossus and kitty are are kind of a they're kind of an item i don't know where they are in that part of their life in the story at this point but it it's fun that he comes in and helps save the day um and uh it's lucky for kitty because the whole issue she's trying whatever she can to convince professor x to let her back on the team she's just trying to butter him up or or just be mature about it or or prove herself and nothing works but finally she's able to put herself in this situation where she deals with this danger all on her own well mostly on her own and professor x realizes the error of his ways and puts her back on the team so she doesn't have to be with the new mutants um but the best part of this issue is the final page of this issue where cyclops um has just been reunited with his father corsair who he thought was dead um and he finds out not only does he have a dad but he has grandparents too he didn't know they were alive as well he'd been estranged he's he's he was in the foster system with his 
brother Alex. Um, and so they're heading up to Alaska to meet his grandparents and, um, they charter a plane to, um, take them there. And the pilot of the plane shows up. Um, and the pilot looks quite familiar, almost, uh, like a twin, almost like a, like a clone of a woman he knows very well. The pilot is Madeline Pryor. This issue, X-Men 168, is her first appearance. This is when we're like, ah, and it's a great uh, cliffhanger because like she looks like Jean. They they mention that she sounds like Jean. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's the beginning of that saga where Cyclops uh, meets Madeline and will lead all the way to Inferno. Um, and so, yeah, this Christmas special was just a great opportunity to show you guys where Madeline Pryor came from. So X-Men 168, Uncanny X-Men 168. Um, go check it out. Um, it's it's so fun. It's it's a lot of just dialogue. Not a lot of action goes on, but it's really great drama dialogue, and I really appreciate This is a good instance of showcasing Chris Claremont's writing skills and abilities um, and why he was the master for so long at creating stories with these little mutants. That's it for this year of Class of X. I hope you've enjoyed the evolution of this show. I hope it has helped some of you get back into reading the X-Men. I've gotten messages from some of you in the Discord and on socials about how that's the case. Um, I hope it's helped some of you get into it for the first time. If this show has ever helped anybody get into at comics for the first time, I would love to hear from you. Please do so however you want to get a hold of me. And I hope everyone has a safe and lovely holiday. And I will see you next year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Thank you very much. Be good, be kind, be brave.